Right, now, <laughs> country calendar goes woke. A woke joke. A bit of a controversy about this. And I'm late to this, Brian. I must admit, this isn't the most topical uh, story we've done. So plenty of people will know about this already. Because uh, this was the episode of Country Calendar that went out, not last Sunday, but the Sunday before. However, uh, the ripples from this episode have uh, caused debate that's still been going on in recent days. So I thought we'd catch up with it. So this program featured uh, Lake Hawea Station, uh, 10,000 head of sheep on it. But it's owned by entrepreneurs Jeff and Justine Ross. Now, Jeff Ross, the guy behind, um, well, in fact, the, the 42 them, Below, the 42 vodka. 42 Below Vodka, sold to Bacardi for huge amounts of money. Okay, Mo so they had a bit of cash. Yeah, lots of cash to put into it. So they now own like, uh, how we are stationed and are converting it into, uh, this was the hook for the program, New Zealand's first certified carbon zero farm and they're selling their stuff at a premium because you know it's um, carbon positive they're calling it but this was how uh, the show was uh, introduced Sunday before last our whole family really believes that the fight for the climate is now it's real and it's not just the planet getting the gentle touch here I thought that there were some things that could be done in a more humane way well they've still got the music the mm-hmm. good old music um, why was it controversial? Well, you wouldn't have thought it would be. It's just, uh, you know, an environmental change on a farm, and those are the sorts of things that have been on country calendar before, and of course are legitimate issues in uh, farming and uh, discussed a lot. But I think it was the extent of that commitment uh, to those environmental sentiments and the animal welfare uh, that um, Justine Ross was alluding to there. So Jeff Ross explained they're doing things like regenerative pasture and putting a lot of effort into that. Then Justine explained this animal welfare approach. They, animal they showed, welfare. Yeah, well, right. they've taken it to another level. They've got, after the sheep are shorn, they go down the chute. They've got big white mattresses at the bottom of the chutes to protect the shorn sheep, and they play them classical music. And there were also trials with new music. Anyone who has a residence close to a shed will know that that booming music starts at sort of six in the morning and it's usually sort of ACDC, bit of thunderstruck, whatever. As we move into a different model where compassion for the animals at the centre of everything we do, then it's more about gentle music that makes the environment feel more calm. A nice bit of vivaldi there, spring from the four seasons, so should be playing winter at this time of year, but never mind. <laughs> I guess at this point I might be starting to think, hmm, this is reminding me of country calendars from the 70s, the farming couple that um, they had they had the fence, Yep, they played the fence, and there was also the, um, if you held the sheep a certain way when you were shearing it, it, it bleated the right note. This did actually have some people thinking, is this one of these country calendar spoofs? But I mean, Jeff and Justine Ross, well enough known that unless they were playing along with it, it clearly wasn't. But this thought did actually occur to TV producer Paul Cassily. He's um, formerly the Brains behind Go Ahead Caller. Oh, yes. Yep, here on RNZ. When's that coming back? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But he's currently a TV producer on, I think he produces TVNZ Seven Sharp Show with his former colleague Jeremy Wells. So he's otherwise engaged, perhaps. But uh, when the mainstream media leapt on people jumping on Facebook saying, come on, Country Calendar, is this a joke or what? He talked about that on, this is on Today FM last Sunday, on uh, the Graham Hill weekend show. And I thought, oh, I hope it's a hoax. Because normally a hoax gets revealed pretty quickly these nowadays. Yeah. So uh, I, 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 unfortunately, it's not a hoax. I, I watched back the show, and it's. Um, I think the outrage comes from the fact it's so, so two quite wealthy marketers. 
Paul right there. Now, was it Ken Oath that Ken, played? Ken Oath was, Ken the, Oath was the, the anti-hero of Go Ahead Caller. Yes, the fictitious um, oh, talk, Ken, talkback actually. host. But, but <laughs> interesting, he mentions those hoaxes, because your country calendar does have this canon of hoaxes. But there actually is one. My late-breaking research with the uh, search engine Google, uh, just for coming on air. Thank you, Dr. Google. <laughs> this is an episode from 1985. It's in the Natonga uh, Sound Archive collection. So they made a spoof episode in 1985 about a couple called uh, Dominic and Brian, progressive Auckland hairdressers, who take over a sheep farm, and they triple their wool receipts by reducing the livestock stress level uh, by playing classical music to mm-hmm. the sheep, uh, which gives them a better quality of, of hair. Uh, of 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 fleece, sorry, and uh, yeah, they go picnicking with them and uh, and uh, try not to stress them out. It says uh, Dominic told the program the aggressive bark of the hunterway has no place here. So New Zealand on screen, narrated by Warwick Burke, formerly of this parish, worth a look. You know, sometimes, however, a joke can end up being quite a good idea. I mean, creativity is what helps business. Yeah, and you know, Graham Murray, uh, he he is a farmer, um, all black captain. Didn't he play Schubert to his cows or his sheep? I don't know if it was Schubert. This is a point made by Graham Hill, the host of uh, that Today FM show, interviewing Paul Cassidy. And Paul Cassidy also made the point that he reckons um, in shearing sheds these days you probably wouldn't be hearing ACDC's Thunderstruck as much as you'd hear a bit of hip-hop. But anyway, that's probably the point. I don't know what sheep would like to listen to hip-hop more than... ACDC, well, hard to I, know. I mean, ACDC's Thunderstruck's really J.S. Bark, updated <laughs> for electric guitar, as far could, as I'm concerned. Could be. Well, you probably yeah. do a better playlist for sheep uh, than I could with your, your classical education. But I think Paul Cassidy kind of nailed it there, that people railed against uh, seeing these sort of woke towny millionaires operating um, a sheep farm. Uh, so one comment online, for example, country calendar tonight was a load of woke bollocks. If everyone farmed like that... Uh, the world wouldn't would starve, but you know others pointed out, you know this is the sort of transformation we need, and other people are doing, uh, perhaps not with the profile of uh, of Jeff and Justine Ross. Well, and if, I mean, it, if it makes money, yeah, do we get detail on that in the program? Not, not so much, but this has been analysed uh, afterwards. Um, Jamie Mackay of the Country NZME's radio show said, yeah, they are they are making money and trading off this carbon positive image, so it's kind of working, but. I don't quite know why people flipped out at Country Calendar because I've seen other episodes. I don't watch a lot, but I've seen episodes where people are making you know, organic persimmons yes. on a few acres. Maybe it was just sort of the, the one that broke that proverbial back. Could be. That proverbial thing that Could breaks be. the proverbial's back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, Jamie Mackay. Now, I sometimes listen to his um, the Country Hour, mm. um, rural broadcaster. And he's pretty forthright and, I would say, reasonably middle-of-the-road views when it comes to farming. Um, no radical. What did he say about it? He must have had something to say about it. Well, he appeared to join the social media pile on putting out a tweet saying, oh, that animal welfare stuff was, uh, you know, a bit, a bit woke for my taste. But when he was interviewed about it on uh, News Talk ZB, he said, no, no, they're, they're, they're running a proper farm. They're doing interesting things. Uh, and so it, it deserves to be taken seriously. He did make a point that almost everything in shot in that episode of Country Calendar was branded except for the sheepdogs, uh, which I think was true, you know, wearing a lot of um, merch and you saw them doing a lot of their, their kind of commercial and marketing work as well. But, you know, that's part of the business, fair enough. But also uh, on that show, The Country, he has as a regular guest the veteran humorist and writer Jim Hopkins, who when he came on last week also wanted to make a point about this um, in a kind of roundabout way. Tell you what, can I just make this quiet comment? I did think the country calendar show 
tells us more about the media than it does about farming. But I'm really pleased to hear the music you've chosen because it means that the self-confessed stale male pale has become one of the woke folk. Oh, but listen, I am worried on your behalf. You know how the shearers at Lake Harwea don't get paid per number of sheep they actually shear. They get paid on the basis of the experience of the shearing for the sheep. If you apply this to listeners, I think your ratings may plunge. Thank you there, Mr. Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, so he's making a few points there, but I mean, I, I think he was kind of right in a way he didn't really mean when he said this tells us more about the media than farming, because, um, you know, it's, it's sort of the way that this came out. They had a, what they thought was a bit of a feel good, a bit of a different yarn, bit of media profile with Jeff and Justine Ross. Then social media got going, and it's that old codependency that we see more and more between mainstream media and social media. Something causes a flurry, bunch of lame rants on Facebook. Mainstream media will say, you know, country calendar provokes a storm. Uh, everyone gets their content and engagement out of it. We're doing it right now, I guess, perhaps falling into a bit of a trap. You know, but in the end, it all becomes a bit circular. There isn't really a controversy about it. So, yeah, in a way, Jim Hopkins, with his kind of word salad and throwing in a lot of woke and pale male stale and stuff like that, is right when he says that. But one of the best responses I thought was Tara Ward, the reviewer for the spin-off, who said uh, she highlighted one of the online responses going, I'm bloody believable. I'm, I'm going to watch this again just to make sure it's not a joke. If that's the reason it's become the highest rating episode of the year. People have watched it twice. Well, yes. The marketing people, genius the is a country who, calendar if they the, achieve that. People who sell advertising around country calendar will be laughing all the way to the bank. Indeed. They will indeed. They'll be toasting themselves with 42 below. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't a product placement. Other <laughs> uh, vodkas you, are available. <laughs> you have been thinking, but maybe because of this, about other satire and spoofs. Um, like the great U.S. production and publication, The Onion? Yes, indeed. Um, so this is on a serious uh, topic. But So The Onion, uh, which calls itself America's finest news source, but the tongue very firmly in cheek, every time they have a mass shooting like uh, the one they've currently had in uh, Highland Park, uh, they put it, the same news story on the website with the location adjusted. And it's kind of mocking the kind of fatalistic response that you often see in the States about nothing much can be done about this. So the headline is... No way to prevent this, says only nation where this regularly happens. And uh, just the way the the story begins, I'll just read it briefly, uh, the top part. Citizens living in the only country where this kind of mass killing routinely occurs reportedly concluded Monday there was no way to prevent the massacre from taking place. Open quotes. This was a terrible tragedy, but sometimes these things just happen, and there's nothing anyone can do to stop them, said North Carolina resident Faye Perkins, echoing the sentiments expressed by tens of millions of individuals who reside in a nation where over half the world's deadliest mass shootings have occurred in the past 50 years. Dark satire, Mm. sometimes the best. Do you think that might have been an influence of Mark Dolder in his newsroom column? <laughs> Possibly not, uh, because the topic is different. But again, a deadly serious one, it's COVID. Now, Mark Dolder uh, of Newsroom has followed COVID-19 with more diligence and detail and seriousness than just about any other. And, and he's become increasingly frustrated in recent times about uh, COVID predictions falling away when there's still a uh, large spread and increasing spread uh, and new variants coming in. And all those pundits who say, oh, the pandemic's over, time to move on, we're all vaccinated, etc., etc. So this week he wrote a piece called We Must Learn to Live with the Road Toll. Right. And there's an asterisk in the headline. 
uh, to indicate Justin, he's just kidding. He right, put in huge okay. letters at the bottom. This column is just satire, but I think he's done it really well, and people will tell if can, they read it. Can you read a bit out? Oh, sure. The, the story begins like this. After years of effort and billions of dollars of government money, hundreds of people are still dying on our roads every year. Now, it's clear that what we've tried hasn't completely solved the issue. That's why we should do nothing at all about road safety. And then he marches through a few of the, the arguments, making fun of people that do that COVID opening up argument quite blithely along the way. And he ends like this. Why is there so much fuss about road deaths? Why are the government, the media and so-called road safety experts so intent on fear-mongering? This country just needs to draw a line under the road toll and move on. Do you um, think News Talk ZB's Nick Mills read that and didn't realise, did not see the asterisks? I don't know. I, I, I'm positive that he didn't read it at all. But I was listening to his uh, program this morning. Uh, his, he's only on, on in Wellington. He's the Wellington morning host for ZB. Yeah, he was having a, a rave about so-called experts, you know. Uh, so-called experts, com- such as? This is Professor Michael Baker. So-called according to Nick Mills. Yeah, well, he's, he called him rent quote Nick Mills said Michael Baker was a rent quote as if, you know, he was pitching his voice. I mean, he's often consulted. I don't actually media. have to pay Michael to get him to come on the program, I've noticed. No, I don't think he charges anybody. So I think that's very pejorative. But I guess what he meant there was just he's on the media too much, saying things Nick Mills evidently didn't agree with. But Nick Mills then went a bit further and addressed Professor Michael Baker this morning personally like this. Michael Baker, let us get on with our lives. You go back to your lab. Do some intelligent work. Get paid truckloads of money for doing it and live in an extremely flash house. But for me, I don't want to hear from you anymore. I want to get on with my life and our life. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> that was an extraordinary. So he's a yes, so not cool. satire, he's a real expert. Not satire. No, not satire. But, you know, that sounded like Ken Oaf to me. Mm, well, weirdly, he was on... Later in the afternoon, I happened to catch him on the drive show panel as a guest. They must have a bit of a staff shortage at ZB if the hosts have to go on as guests on their panels for shows later in the day. He said, I'm terrified by these numbers we're hearing. I'm terrified by it. You know, and he talked through it. He obviously realized what it meant because he owns bars and hospitality businesses in Wellington. He knows Nick what it Mills means. Does. Yeah. He clearly understands the problem. Talked about it at length on this later um, panel discussion. Uh, he's terrified by the spread of COVID, knows exactly what's going on, why it's happening. But, yeah, doesn't want to hear an expert like Professor Michael Baker giving him the actual facts. I'm right. very, weird. very weird. Okay. Yeah. Um, hey, we've got a new broadcasting minister, and I keep on asking you, when are you going to interview him? And you finally did. <laughs> yeah, we did. Well, the main topic we talked about was the legislation. That's partly why he wanted to wait so long before talking to us, because the legislation for Aotearoa New Zealand Public Media, the new public media entity, the bill, uh, he's introduced it into Parliament. Uh, now, the feedback we got was that people are still a bit confused about what will really change, and I kind of don't blame them, because what's in the legislation doesn't make it entirely clear what the output of this thing will be. That's still going to be down to the management, the board that's being set up, in the first place to establish it and then to run it from March 2023. Also concerns about uh, some, we got some email about what's the safeguards, what's the guarantees uh, that it won't be too commercial or that it um, you know, won't drift too far from the current purpose of RNZ and TVNZ as, as they know them. But the minister was kind of saying, trust us, partly the, the law will change as the bill goes through committees. These Some of these things will be addressed. And he said, don't worry about you know the independence that suspicion of political influence which is so prevalent now and the, and the worry that people have that somehow this is going to have you know ministers and government uh, trying to influence 
the output of this new joint uh, not-for-profit autonomous crown entity. Um, some concerns expressed about that specific structure of an autonomous crown entity. He's saying, don't worry, we don't have ill intent and it'll all be sorted out before it becomes a, a live thing. Is he committed to the Public Media Interest Fund? No, he doesn't uh, support that or d- doesn't say that it's on the books in his words. He supported what it has done so far, but I think they've realised that it's attracted quite a bit of political controversy and possibly the argument is, although he didn't say this, once a public media entity is up and running that's working not-for-profit on radio, television and online, that they won't necessarily need uh, that that sort of investment. But, I mean, what on the programme is a bit of feedback on that too because it's extraordinary he's... You know, got such a, his whole career in broadcasting, as he pointed out in a Herald piece he wrote this week, started in 1989 when all these political decisions, which created what we have today, uh, mm. you know, came into force. So his whole career has been in that span of broadcasting. He's been a Māori media leader, and I tried to illustrate this in that program, going through the roles he's held, the conflicts he's had as an advocate and a media leader, and the pressure he's put on public organisations to do more specifically for Māori broadcasting and journalism. Is there any sign that there's this buy-in from the opposition in terms of... Because I, I, I kind of think if there's a change of government in the next election, this new media entity might be set up and then the next next government comes along and says, well, TVNZ, we want you to stay being commercially focused. RNZ, you'll get this money. And that's that. Well, briefly, the leader of the party has said he doesn't support what they're doing. His spokesperson, uh, Melissa Lee, who might be a minister if the government changes, has uh, also said that, but has said also on Media Watch and other outlets she wouldn't unpick it if it was up and running. But they clearly don't support the idea. They see it as a problem that doesn't need fixing. So that's their basic attitude. But the minister did interestingly write a piece for the Herald uh, this, this week called The Challenges Ahead for Broadcasting. And one thing he did say was he wants to tackle... Google and Facebook running New Zealand Media News, not paying for it, something a previous minister talked about but didn't really get very far with. So if he really does want to progress that, that will be interesting to see how he follows up.